to work if you absolutely cannot work from home, to exercise, to seek medical assistance. Prime Minister Johnson said the lockdown will last until mid-February. By then, he said, the UK will have vaccinated all people over 70, all those in care homes, and all frontline medical workers. As of today, the UK began distributing its homegrown Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine, which, unlike the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, doesn't require ultra-cold temperatures, making it easier to store and distribute. Why do you think this will change things? This will change things because it is the, it's the light at the end of the tunnel. For the rest of Europe, the vaccine rollout has been extremely slow. France only recorded 516 vaccinations in the first week. French officials vowing to speed up what some in France are calling a fiasco. Prime Minister Johnson said the lockdown could extend beyond February if the virus isn't under control. British health experts are also worried about a South African strain that's even more mutated than the UK variant. And the more the virus mutates, the more it's potentially resistant to the current vaccine. Let's One more concern tonight. Richard Engel, thank you. Also breaking this evening, New York becoming the latest state to announce a case of that new, more contagious strain from the UK. As much of the country braces for another holiday surge on top of an already disastrous situation. With more, here's Miguel Almaguer. The current crisis in California is the kind of holiday surge the rest of the nation is now bracing for. In just one month, hospitalizations and ICU occupancy has doubled. In Los Angeles, ambulances are waiting up to eight hours to offload patients. I've already had two patients die in the last three days. At one hospital in Northern California, 44 employees became infected with the virus, one losing their life overnight. Officials investigating if an air-powered inflatable costume worn by an employee may have been the source of the outbreak. The National Guard now activated to transport bodies ahead of what nurses like Anna Reese fear will be the deadliest surge. Let's walk into work and think about all the Americans who are traveling. In the last three days, nearly three and a half million Americans took to the skies. It comes after scenes like these over New Year's and now more confrontational protests from those who refuse to wear masks. <laughs> Nationwide, more than 352,000 Americans have lost their lives to COVID. Georgia is the 10th state to lose at least 10,000 residents. In Massachusetts, where field hospital admissions are outpacing discharges, more than 40 COVID cases have been tied to a Christmas service outside Boston. In New York, in the last month, hospitalizations are up a staggering 96%. No region is safe. Every day is extremely stressful. I have nurses that we break out of tears. Tonight, the new year bringing new challenges and perhaps another deadly holiday surge. With many testing sites up and running again at full capacity, the FDA is warning again of false negative tests, underscoring the need to isolate if you've traveled. Lester? Miguel Almaguer tonight, thanks. Let's turn now to that stunning phone call. President Trump pushing for Georgia's Secretary of State to overturn his election defeat there. It's created a new firestorm on the eve of critical Senate elections. Here's Kristen Welker. Tonight, last-minute campaigning with just one day until Georgia's key Senate runoff. We need you to vote, Georgia. Including President-elect Biden taking aim at President Trump. 
I don't know why he still wants the job. He doesn't want to do the work. It comes after the president yeah. can be heard on a call pushing Georgia's Republican election officials to overturn his loss in the state. NBC News obtained a recording of that stunning 62-minute conversation where the president urges those officials to find votes for him. Biden narrowly won Georgia by 11,779 votes. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state. Later, saying to the Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, And there's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, uh, that you've recalculated. The president repeatedly asserting false claims of widespread fraud. There are many infractions and... The bottom line is many, many times the 11,779 margin that they said we lost by. Raffensperger pushing back. Mr. President, the challenge that you have is the data you have is wrong. Today, Raffensperger said he did not feel the president pressured him. But Republican Senator David Perdue, who is locked in a razor-tight race in tomorrow's runoff, slamming Raffensperger. And I'm still shocked that a member of the Republican Party would take a sitting president and then leak that. It's disgusting in my view. Late today, Raffensperger insisting he did not release the audio in an interview with NBC's Lane Alexander. Oh, how it got released but at the end of the day. What he said was not factually correct. And I want to make sure that people understand the facts. The president will campaign in Georgia tonight as some of his allies tell NBC News they are worried that phone call could depress Republican turnout and even harm America's democracy. Lester. All right, Kristen Welker at the White House this evening. Thanks. Tonight, some House Democrats are asking the FBI to investigate the president's call to that Georgia official. The question is, did it break the law? Pete Williams has been reporting on this. Pete, what do we know? Lester, most legal experts say it would be very hard to bring a federal or state criminal case. Federal law makes it a crime to knowingly and willfully attempt to deprive the residents of a state of a fair election. Key word, knowingly. A prosecutor would have to prove that the president knew that he lost the election and that meet might be difficult since he seems to think he won. A Georgia state law makes it a crime to importune, that is, to urge someone to commit election fraud. And there's no knowing requirement. The local prosecutor in Georgia would need more, though, than just a phone call, possibly including testimony from others in the White House, and that might be hard to get, Lester. All right, Pete Williams this evening. Thanks. On Wednesday, dozens of Republicans in Congress plan to challenge the election results during the Electoral College count, in which will usually flee a dissent, but certainly not this year. Casey Hunt, a party divider. As President Trump refuses to accept the results of the 2020 election, his Republican Party splintering in two. I plan to object to certain contested electors on January 6th with dozens of his allies in the House planning to object to the Electoral College count on Wednesday, Senator Josh Hawley has said he'll sign on, forcing an up-or-down vote on whether President-elect Joe Biden won. A dozen more Republican senators say they'll vote to object unless there's a commission to study the results. We ought to have a fair inquiry, a fair audit into these results. Establishment Republicans are warning objecting is a political and moral disaster. Mitch McConnell calling it a vote of conscience and the most consequential vote I have ever cast. Mitt Romney, the Republican presidential nominee in 2012, said it dangerously threatens the republic. Liz Cheney, the number three House Republican, writing in a blistering 21-page memo to her colleagues Sunday that objecting violates Republicans' core beliefs. 
and would set an exceptionally dangerous precedent. President Trump quickly attacking Republicans who don't support the effort, labeling them the surrender caucus. If members of Congress take up false claims of voter fraud and try to use those to overturn an election that they do not like, they will be on the wrong side of history. The objections could stretch a count that usually takes just half an hour into an hour-long marathon at the Capitol, so it won't change the outcome. Lester. Casey, thank you very much. And then there is this, an unprecedented warning from all 10 living former defense secretaries calling on the military to stay out of election disputes and carry out the transition fully, cooperatively, and transparently. Here's Andrea Mitchell. Clearly alarmed by President Trump's actions, the former Pentagon leaders from both parties writing in the Washington Post, efforts to involve the U.S. armed forces in resolving election disputes would take us into dangerous, unlawful, and unconstitutional territory. Former Secretary William Combs. And so, just want to make sure that the military understands this role is not to abide by illegal, unethical, unpatriotic orders coming from the President of the United States. Sad to have to say that. The idea for the statement originated with former Defense Secretary Dick Cheney, who as Vice President presided over his party quickly certifying Barack Obama's Electoral College victory. The President Trump ousted his Defense Secretary, Mark Esper, for protesting proposals to use the military in Lafayette Park last June. The President also purged the top ranks of other Pentagon officials. And last week, President-elect Biden called out the Pentagon, he says, for obstructing the transition. We just aren't getting all the information that we need for the ongoing, outgoing, from the outgoing administration in key national security areas. No response from the Pentagon, but Secretary Cohen says they're also warning against any unwarranted action in hotspots around the world. Leslie. Andrea Mitchell, thanks. The UK today blocked efforts to extradite WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange to the U.S. to face espionage charges. And tonight, at an NBC News exclusive, Assange's fiance speaks out to Keir Simmons about his battle and life in hiding. Dragged through seven years of asylum in a London embassy in 2019. Today, his supporters celebrated as a British judge effectively ruled Julian Assange has suffered enough and could take his own life in a U.S. jail. A disappointed DOJ vowing to appeal, his fiance determined to fight on. I ask you all to shout louder, lobby harder, until he is free. Speaking to NBC News before the stunning outcome in an exclusive interview. The frontal attack on our right to know, on holding governments accountable. The extradition centered around Julian Assange and WikiLeaks exposing American war secrets including this video of an Apache helicopter killing civilians in Iran. The U.S. accuses him of helping intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning hack computers, which they claim put lives at risk. His family telling NBC News he's close to broken. What do your wife say? That he... Well, it just collapses under the strain. Well, it's very hard for him. He's isolated most of the time. Last year, they say, he hardly saw his children. I tell them that he's, he's a hero and that he's special. And tonight, Julian Assange could be with his children within days. On Wednesday, his defense will argue for bail while the U.S. appeals. Lester? All right, Keir Simmons, thank you. In just 60 seconds, what's causing gas prices to jump and how you can save, plus the best diet for 2021. Gasoline on top and prices at the pump.